Welcome back to another episode of Drift. If you enjoy these episodes, please be sure to follow on all platforms to ensure up to date on new releases. My website has more information on where you can enjoy Drift, other content I may post, and how you can support Drift to help me continue providing better content and a greater quality experience. Links to all this will be provided in the description for your convenience. As always, I encourage you to comment your thoughts on the topics I raise. I am always interested in your input, and I look forward to people challenging my opinions and speaking out on these important issues. In today's episode, I'm speaking with Spencer Trulove about love, purpose, and peace. The conversation necessarily covers a wide range of topics to appropriately discuss the subject at hand. This includes happiness, relationships, the present moment, and vulnerability. This is a comprehensive examination of these ideas, and this episode serves as an excellent introduction to future topics while also giving sound input on how to find meaning in your life. I will briefly provide an overview of Spencer for you to better understand who I'm speaking with. He is 22 years old, and we've been best friends since sixth grade. Over the years, he has embarked on many entrepreneurial ventures and currently shoots footage for weddings while also working as a personal trainer. Spencer has recently started a podcast called Broken Mindsets, so be sure to check the description of this episode to find his content. Now, on to today's episode. As always, this is Noah Tallman bringing you Drift. Okay, so I started thinking about this phrase love, purpose, and peace a lot because of the fact that in my personal life, I always felt like people were heading down uh, really weird paths. And uh, when they were looking for what they would understand as a meaningful life. Um, and in a discussion between us, you know, you and I, I, I sort of put together the actual phrase uh, love, purpose, and peace um, as w- kind of my one liner on how to live a meaningful life. And so uh, what this is really meant to be is just kind of a uh, kind of a uh, compass or a gauge um, on how to navigate those things in a constructive way, Uh, because I think that people aren't actually that confused on what is good for them. You know, I think a lot of people know, you know, you're not supposed to eat the fast food. You want to have good connections, good relationships, have a job that you like, uh, but that doesn't actually force them down those paths. You know, it's and it's really just a lack of understanding why those things exist. So. this is just kind of a, a a look in to see what that is. And so, um, you know, purpose, it, it, it's a tricky one because there's so many things that go into this. And uh, I think when we're when we're trying to take a look at it, what, what it really is, is like you have to have things in your life um, that have a deeper seated meaning than just what you get at face value. So, um, you know, whenever we're talking about money, that sounds really good. You know, money sounds great. And it sounds like uh, something that you would really want. But in a lot of ways, it can easily corrupt you and take you down a path with no meaning. And that's kind of why you see movie stars and actors and uh, and whatnot just have very, very empty and empty lives and so forth. So um, so I think that, you know, the movie star analogy is, is, is a good um, representation of the symptoms of sort of the bigger problem where where people are just um, living unfulfilled lives and. Um, so I think the important thing that we have to do is kind of take a step back and 
look at what is causing that and wh- what's causing us to lead these meaningless lives where we just feel like we don't have any um, real purpose or where we don't have real connections and um, where people aren't very happy or at peace uh, with themselves in any way, shape or form, you know, they don't like the person they see in the mirror. Um, so uh, no, if you want to kind of dip into this a little bit. Yeah. Yes. You know, I, I think it's important to, uh, in, in certain respects, kind of set the stage here and describe the stakes. You know, what are, what is it that we're up against? Um, what is, what is it that is the ailment, um, that we're in such need of a prescription for? Um, and, and really, I think to do that, I think it's important to just kind of examine, uh, you know, what is the human being and, and the world that we find ourselves in. And I think what's important here is kind of identifying the, the duality of human experience, this, this kind of dichotomy that characterizes the way we interact in the world. And, and really the way I do that is examining, you know, how we are as organic, um, animate beings in the natural world you know just like any other animal we exist we breathe um we live our life and we die and we can make objective claims about that um biological claims about that just like we could about rocks or any other animal or plant or anything like that um so we have that on the one hand and we experience that world and then on the other hand we also experience this conceptual world and um you know it's, it's the the subjective human experience and really this this comes from our our own experience our conscious and our awareness of self that kind of makes us feel that we live beyond the natural world and in many ways this discriminates us from any other animal um, because we look at the ideas of things and we want to know what they're for and this is why we struggle so much with things like meaning and purpose and so kind of important with this is really just identifying the landscape that this this uh, duality of human experience lives in. And, you know, it's 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 a tragic landscape. And, and, and what makes it worse is that we're enlightened to it. We're aware of it. And, you know, I have four different ways to do this. And there may be many more. Um, I could certainly go on, but I think these are really important. Um, the first is that life itself necessitates death. And, and we're aware of this. And it always... Um, it's it's outpacing us. You know, we we can never really catch it. Um, and the, the second is that we are limited beings, and and so is everyone around us. Right? We have a, a certain capacity, a a hard stop on our potential. And the third is that we are subject to the arbitrary whims of tragedy, where you know things happen indiscriminate of the character that we would assign to people. You know, good people can get sick undeservedly. And uh, bad people can have quite fortunate things happen to them. And the fourth, and perhaps the most important here, is that we also actively contribute to our own suffering and that of other people. And we do this consciously. You know, every day we engage or partake in conversations or activities or experiences that we know are not good for ourselves or the quality of life for those around us. And what's really clear to me is that in many respects, we live in spite of these difficulties. Um, you know, every breath you take is in unconscious defiance of these issues. And this really, I think, is a great way to kind of establish and describe the stakes that characterize our life. And, and for me, that's why, you know, when we start talking about the meaning of life, and again, I think this is an instinct that spawns in our conceptual experience, in our subjective experience, um, for me, it is simply 
the extent to which you can manifest something in your life that transcends the tragedy of your own experience. So when you look at the totality of your experience and 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 the fact that you have a finite time on this world, you know, what are you going to do with that time? And I think that really is an important way to kind of uh, describe what has led to this specific conversation. Right. And I, I, I completely agree. And I think uh, when you're when you're trying to put together uh, a way to uh, spend time meaningfully, you have to kind of use death as a sort of a gauge in this respect, because it's just a reference point to not waste your time, you know, so you see this a lot where people can just spend, you know, a day just playing video games or watching movies or staying in bed or just doing something completely meaningless. But uh, when you have a reference point on death, this just seems obnoxious almost just to spend so much time doing, you know, nothing. Right. And so when you are trying to figure out um, what gives you purpose, you have to kind of leave those things in the dust and, and focus on um, what's giving meaning to the world and, and into your own life. So I think uh, an important thing to talk about is the fact that you know, this has been discussed in a lot of different ways and, and proven in a lot of different ways. But I think that across the board, um, it's pretty clear that we really only find meaning um, in our lives by contributing either to the world or to other people. Um, so that can be nature. Um, that could be through connections to nature. It can be through connections to people um, or just bringing the whole um, the whole world one step forward, you know, and uh, and contributing to society. So. Um, I think that's something really important to consider because if you are in sort of a, um, you know, a workforce that just doesn't give those things, you're, you're more than likely going to end up feeling like you don't really have much purpose to your life at all. Um, and you're going to feel really, really lost right off the bat. Um, and you're not going to know why, you know, and, and so this is an important thing to be um, to be mindful of. And uh, because when you look back on your deathbed and you're you're thinking, you know, what's important to me in this moment and you don't have any connections and you didn't really contribute in any way and you don't really have much of a legacy you know the the first thing you're going to think is wow I, I really wish i would have spent some time like contributing to society and and to other people and, and leaving my mark on the world and so um, this is something people tend to just forget about and uh, it, it's it's really sort of my main reference point when you're talking about purpose because we really only leave a mark on the world by contributing to it you know and some potential potentially good way. And of course, you can leave a, a really negative mark, uh, you know, like if you're a serial killer or something. But um, but even even that's not something that's uh, disputed as being something you want, you know. Um, so if you're wanting to leave a meaningful mark, you know, you have to focus in on what matters. And uh, and that's always going to lead back to connections, um, either towards um, nature or or to the world. And so and, and to people. And it's, it's really interesting, too, because um, the difference between like the, the connections with nature and um, and the people, they, they're very pronounced. And, and so you have people that can literally, you know, go into caves for like five years and come out an incredible person because of it. They spent all this time alone, you know, in, in what would be a mind numbing experience to most people, especially in this generation. And, and they come out just as incredible people, you know, their, their intelligence is just soaring through the roof and they seem to have such a good grasp on what really matters and uh and and they seem so fulfilled and and that's really just because they're you know for one they're connecting to their uh to their spirituality and with nature and and everything and um and and they're trying to understand themselves you know that's an important thing that you have to do as well it's just to um 
really dive into yourself and, and, and figure out where you personally will contribute. Um, so that's, that's just a really important thing to be uh, mindful of. Yeah, you know, and I think something helpful here is if you kind of, you know, view, view, viewing your life as a narrative that, that takes place in a book, right? You know, with a book, you know that there is a finite amount of pages. You know, there, there is a beginning and there is an end. And I think everybody's experienced this, you know, when you have your favorite book or your favorite TV show or your favorite movie, when it ends, it is sad, right? Because that portion of time is over now and you can't get it back. Um, the difference is that you can go back and rewatch it and it might not be the same experience, but you can kind of relive those moments. Um, and that's, that's the part where this example falls apart, right? Because even though you can examine your life as a narrative, you can't go back and reread the pages. You only get to read them once. And what that means is that, you know, every day you're, you're putting words on the page, right? And, and you might not know you're doing it. And, uh, but, but that 24 hour allotment you have, you know, you only have so many words you can fit on it and it's happening every moment. Um, and, and what's really cool about this is just like you can form an opinion about a novel or a movie, you can do the same with your life. Uh, you know, at a certain point, you can actually just step back and, and say, you know, is the story of my life a book that I'd want to read? You know, would I want to read this book? Would I want to watch this movie? Uh, the one that characterizes my life. And, you know, that's a really good way that people can gauge. And, and people do this already, right? You know, people form an opinion of the experience that they're living. And, and this is really what uh, leads a lot of people to, you know, either very negative or, or very positive uh, feelings of, of their life and the meaning in it. And just to kind of pick up on a point that you'd kind of explained here, um, about, you know, just kind of finding that meaning and, and uh, especially whenever you're on your deathbed, you know. Um, again, I think what's important is when you look back, do you feel like you contributed to something? You know, I think, I think for people, there's this great conflict, you know, a battlefield, and we're at war with the finite and the infinite. You know, when you look at the, the extraordinary vastness of time and our finite place in it, I think everybody's great concern is just being swallowed in it. Um, and that makes people feel like that period of time in which they're allotted is less valuable. So people instinctively have a need to kind of maximize the import of that finite amount of time that they have. Uh, that way they don't get swallowed by infinite time. And, and like you'd mentioned, I think one of the best ways to do that is to make sure that um, what you're doing is of value and not just to yourself, but also to the greater community and people. Um, and I think that's a, that's a pretty good place to kind of pick up on, on uh, purpose. Uh, that, that could be a good gauge for it. Yeah, I completely agree. And I, I really like that uh, analogy of actually using your life as a novel that you would read, because I think a lot of people can <laughs> pretty straightforward say that, no, they're, they wouldn't read the, the novel of their own life. Right. And um, that that's a really good gauge to know whether or not what you're doing has any real purpose. And just to kind of like tie in my own personal experiences with this, you know, uh, I, most people who know me know that whenever I was sort of in my youth, um, and I guess I still am kind of in my youth, but my early youth, um, I was doing a lot of crazy stuff. And for a lot of people, like, especially around that time, people used to talk about it a lot and, and talk like it was the coolest thing ever. And I really did enjoy it. You know, I'm naturally kind of an, an adrenaline junkie, right? Um, and so that was fun, but there was definitely a, a point where 
it just wasn't that fun anymore, you know, and, and the, the risk associated with it um, was kind of coming to, um, to a halt in how much I like to experience those things. And I was sort of confused by it because I had dedicated so much of my life to really like um, for one videoing those things, you know, I was, I was making videos of the crazy stuff that we were doing on a daily basis. And, uh, and I, I still enjoy doing that, but it doesn't provide the same type of purpose that I thought that it did at the moment. Um, and so when I, I, when I'm looking back on this, um, I can tell you straight up, um, for those of you who don't know, um, what I do for a living, uh, I'm a personal trainer. And so when I first had the job, I didn't really appreciate it very much, you know, um, and I, I had fun and I wasn't really really much into it, uh, because I was still living in the mindset that I didn't want to work there forever and that I didn't want to, um, do this long term. But as time went on and I started to get a better grasp on, um, on purpose itself and, and what brought meaning into my life. Um, and I started to see the people I was working with change on a daily basis. I, I've had this overwhelming feeling of just like real purpose, you know, like I was doing something that mattered and, and they were living examples of where um, I was contributing to them and, and what mattered to me, you know. And so it's really interesting to think about how that um, can evolve. But that was uh, that was a big moment for me personally, because I, I mostly became a, a personal trainer because I was bored. You know, I. I was making okay money with what I was doing. And at the time I was just doing wedding videos um, and I still do those, but I, I was just doing it for uh, money and I had a lot of free time because really weddings are only on the weekends and so forth. So, um, but I took the job because I was super bored and more money is always good. And, um, and so I didn't go into it with very many expectations, but what came out of it was just um, this really incredible thing because I learned what it's like to contribute to somebody very directly and then see um, where it can in a positive way. And so obviously, I'm not the focus here. But at the same time, um, it's important to recognize that because you're allowed to appreciate um, what's good for other people uh, in, a, in a personal way. So um, that was a big moment for me. Anyway, anywho, and, uh, and it's important to, to recognize that. And, and so when you're looking um, internally, and you're, you're thinking to yourself, you know, uh, where is this going to apply in my own life? I think that that's a, an important thing to do. You know, am I just having fun? Or am, am I actually contributing in some way? Because at the time, I really thought that um, I was contributing with my videos by entertaining people, but it wasn't very much purpose. And, and more often than not, it probably just sent people down the wrong, uh, the wrong path. And so uh, it's important to distinguish between the two. Yeah, right. And, you know, I think what's important here is is not to knock the importance of having fun, right? You know, you, you do want to enjoy your moment to moment experience. Um, ultimately, what the goal is, is to marry, you know, what's fun for you with what's meaningful. Um, and I think that's kind of a, a, a balance that a lot of people are really striving for in, in their life. Um, and, you know, I can speak uh, personally on this as well. Um, you know, for, for a long time, I, I didn't know what I want to do. Um, and what I ended up realizing is I was spending more time worrying about figuring out what the best course of action was for me to take with my life, uh, than I was just actually living it. And the scary thing with that is that you, you turn a, you turn around one day and you look behind you and you realize that it's, it all caught up really quick. And I think one of the most tragic things you can do is, is look back over a period of your life and, and realize that, you know, you, you were just needlessly upset. You know, I think when you, when you think of the grand scheme, you know, again, I think this is always a good point, point to kind of anchor your, your uh, reflection here 
is, you know, is it really worth being mad in this moment? You know, is, is it really worth being angry? Is it, is it worth having that argument or that conflict? And, um, and, and most of the time it's not. And, you know, for some people it can take longer to figure out than others. And, you know, for me, uh, I think I've mentioned this several times is, you know, I didn't find out what I wanted to do until I was a, a sophomore in college. You know, so I was I was halfway done with my with my undergrad before I figured out, you know, any idea of what I was going to do. Um, and, you know, so it's, it's a journey everybody walks and it's not, you know, for some people it takes to use the, the metaphor I used previously, for some people it takes more pages. You know, for some people it takes more pages of their book to find out what that meaning and purpose is. And for other people it takes less. Right. And, uh, you know, I think this ties into another topic. Um that we've kind of discussed. And, and, uh, and so what it really is, is like, I, I think people are fixated on fun in a lot of ways. And, um, and I think that that's more so associated with what they quote unquote thinks, uh, makes them happy, you know? Um, so in, in the moment, you know, let's say you're, uh, you're on the road and you get a severe case of, you know, road rage. The, the first thing you, you want to do is you want to yell and scream and, and ram that person's car if you were living in some alternate uh, reality or something. But, uh, but you know that that's not really what you should do. So it might be fun and it might make you happy in the moment, but it doesn't mean that that's the course of action you should take. Um, and so this, this really ties into a topic uh, that we've talked a lot about, and it's uh, the fact that happiness isn't always a good gauge for, um, for our lives. You know, it can really mislead us in a lot of ways and just take us down roads that we don't want to walk, you know, because a lot of things make you happy in a moment, but they're not going to lead to a meaningful life. And I think that this is also a very millennial issue because of the fact that um, it's portrayed very, very much that even in Disney movies, you know, this is an early thing that we see. It's just that what makes you happy is what you should spend your life doing. And that's really not what it is. You know, that's that's a really bad thing to um, to use as a compass. And so um, I know we've talked about this a lot and a lot of my thoughts came from you. So I'll kind of let you dive into this one. Yeah, you know, for me, this is one of the most important pieces. Uh, and the reason why is because it comes, it's, it's so deeply ingrained in our culture, um, especially in the West. Um, you know, some Eastern cultures focus more on things that I, th I think we're going to advertise later. Um, but the West has always been really focused on happiness. And I mean, you can retrace this, these steps all the way back to the Greeks. Um, you know, a lot of Greek philosophers, their ultimate focus of life was happiness. And uh, when, when we start talking about what humans are rationally motivated towards and, you know, what their nature is for the Greeks, it was always happiness. And it was always uh, humans do uh, things that they think are going to allow them to reach happiness. And my big point here is that it's always going to be a carrot on a stick. And um, it's never going to be the the resolution of the conflict in which we all find ourselves in and i i i can describe this in, in four different ways and of course there's there's many different reasons why i don't think happiness is sufficient you know a sufficient boat to navigate our lives um you know the first of this is you know it fails to describe the totality of of human existence you know um human beings are much more than just happiness um, and, and there's going to be a lot of your life where where you're not happy. Um, and, you know, to to describe the ultimate goal of human beings as being happy, well, that's just going to be a continuous uh, disappointment. And, and I think people know this and, and people feel this. 
um, it's kind of like you're chasing a high and except every time you get it, it's not as good as the, as, as the first time. Right. Um, so the second part here is that, you know, it, what you do here is you allow the goal of your life to be out of your control. You know, I think I've said this many times is, uh, the best we can do is just allow, you know, create the circumstances for happiness to descend upon us. That's the best we can do because we can't actually synthesize it. We can't manufacture it. You know, we can satisfy sensual desires, but the resolution of this greater conflict in which we find ourselves, um, you know, that doesn't cut it. And, and ultimately, you want to characterize the quality of your life based off of things that are in your control, you know, in your conscious decision-making control, and happiness just isn't. The third issue here is that, you know, kind of, I've, I've already, already mentioned it, is that leading and, and chasing happiness, uh, it'll just be an endless race that you will run your entire life. And, and when you catch it, it will be brief. And when you get to the top of that mountain, when you get to the peak, you know, by definition, uh, with that with that metaphor is you're gonna have a huge fall and you know when when you are satisfied with being miserable um, just for this vague idea of future happiness well what happens is you waste your whole life being miserable and I think a good way to look at this in the small term is just when you look at your week right you know people think okay well I just gotta make it to the weekend because in the weekend I'm gonna be happy and I'm gonna be doing nothing I'm gonna be relaxing you know I'm gonna be having fun whatever well, when that's your goal, uh, you know, that what that means is that most of your week, you're not doing things you want to be doing. And then those two days pass quick and then you go into the next week and, you know, that might be okay short term. But when you expand that to the totality of your life, you know, it's very obvious to see how that's just simply insufficient for, for leading a life that you want. And the final issue I'll raise here is that, you know, there's many times in your life where you simply should not be happy. You know, is the proper response with the death of a loved one to be happy, right? Um, you know, when you, uh, let's say you're, you're taking a test and you get a bad grade, is, is the proper response then to be happy? You know, when, when a coworker says something mean to you, it's, it's simply not the proper response. You know, happiness is a whim, it comes and goes. And you can't control when it descends upon you. And, and if that's the focus of your life, then then your your entire life is in the hands of something that that is out of your grasp. Right. And and I, I think you see this a lot again with the, uh, you know, the sort of movie star analogy, because um, people see these people having so much fun and, and really experiencing what is, quote unquote, considered the American good life. Right. And uh, and so for us, we view that as uh, being super desirable but in a lot of ways it's just not what's going to bring uh, meaning into our lives and so what really ends up happening with americans especially is we will set a little goal and we'll say okay well when i reach that goal i'll be happy you know i can relax and enjoy my life at that point and then they reach that goal and they realize they're not any happier than they were before because that's not where meaning is that's not what brings meaning into our life and so um this applies over and over and over again because people can set little goals and, and eventually make it to the top and then they look down at their life and they have nothing that they really care about. They just have all this wealth and um, they're up on their ivory tower and they don't really care, you know, and, and it doesn't bring any anything to them personally. And so they end up being these really empty individuals that are just bitter, you know, and, and so you have to be very cautious not to walk that road. Um, and I think when you bring this up, uh, it, it's important to consider the antidote here because um, what really is going to bring happiness 
eternally, so to speak, would just be to be at peace because um, you don't want to, like you said, you, you don't want to be happy all the time. It doesn't even make sense to fundamentally be happy at certain times because it's just not healthy. That wouldn't make any sense to be happy when you lose a loved one. Um, but what can happen is you can reach a point where you're at peace with yourself. And so whenever you know you lose a loved one, um, that's tragic and you should be upset. And, that, and that's awful that um, that you have to continue your life without them, you know, and that's something you have to deal with on a daily basis. But if you're at peace with your life and yourself and you know that you've done good to the world, um, it's it's much easier to move on and in a healthy way, you know, um, because you see so many people they'll get uh, broken up with or they'll, they'll lose a loved one or they'll have a, a major failure and they just, you know, implode on themselves. And so and you have to ask why. And really, it's because they were viewing that as uh, the, the one source of their, uh, you know, happiness and, and then they implode and, uh, and, and then they are just totally lost. And so you need to learn to be at peace with yourself. And, and I think that that's going to be the antidote at all times. Um, because when you're at peace, you can, instead of constantly riding the waves of, of happiness where you just up and down and up and down, um, and, and, and then you don't have any, uh, any stability in your life. Um, that's what peace can be is stability, um, when you're riding the waves of happiness and you, you can just let that, like you said, uh, descend upon you um, in, in all the best ways possible. And so I think that um, that's sort of what I've used as a gauge um, towards meaning, you know, it, are you at peace with yourself and with the life that you've created? Uh, because even though you lost that loved one or you lost that person um, that you were dating and, and it's, it's hard to get through, you can still appreciate what they brought into your life, you know? And it doesn't have to be this uh, horrible experience. You know, you, you don't have to look at them like you wish you never knew them. So you didn't have to feel the pain that you're in. Um, you're just in, at peace with what they did bring to your life. And you can appreciate who they were and, and, and what you've learned from them and, and the, the time that you spent and the happiness that you shared in those moments. And so I think that that is what we should really use as a gauge um, for our lives uh, in, in a more um, grand scale sort of way. Yeah, you know, and... I, I think that, you know, when you, when you ride the wave of, of happiness, you're always going to be suffering injury, right? And, you know, I think, uh, I think a good way to kind of look at this is it, it comes down to a matter of definition and, um, and how you frame the, the occurrences of your life. Um, and I mentioned this earlier, you know, things are going to happen. And those things are only good or bad if you define them that way. And, you know, ultimately, this is a pretty old ideal here. But ultimately, you know, things are neither good or bad that happen to you. They just happen to you, right? Um, and, and when they do, it is then in your control on how you want to frame that particular experience. And, and I'll give you a good example here. You know, when you, when you work out... Um, let's say you're bench pressing, right? And you can literally, you, you can feel just the muscle fibers tearing. Um, you know that you're having a good workout and, and you're happy with yourself. You know, when you're sore and you're cramped, that's a, that's a way you measure that you're doing well, right? You're, you're progressing. But if you felt that sensation at any other time in your life when you weren't working out, you'd be terrified, Right? So even when it comes down to something like pain, the way you frame the experience of that pain dictates how you perceive your experience. 
Um, so, so in that way, framing is is incredibly important. Um, and, and ultimately, with with peace, peace isn't the ignorance of the conflict of life. It, it's the resolution of it. It's the observation of it, and knowing that things will happen to you, and and much of it will be out of your control. And and if you base your life and the quality of your person on the things out of your control, then you're never going to get to where you want to go. You know, ultimately, you know, you are a good or bad person depending on how you let things that happen to you change your person. Um, and I and I think that's a really important thing to kind of describe here. Yeah, no, and I completely agree. And I think that that's a really good analogy to give because um, people are really fixated as uh, with pain as being a negative thing. And um, and I don't really think that it is in a lot of ways. You know, uh, it, it can be used to grow in so many different respects, um, potentially every respect, because pain is um, what pushes you to be uncomfortable in so many ways. Um, so let, like, let's take the gym, for example. You know, um, a lot of people can go through that and have the perspective that it sucks. You know, it sucks to be in pain, right? Um, and that is a very common thing thought of, uh, among many Americans. Um, now you take somebody who's a bodybuilder and they will literally have the biggest smile on their face when they're in pain, you know, right. and you have to wonder what the difference is because really what it is, is just a matter of perspective. You know, they know that that pain is causing them to be a better person, to be uh, somebody who can endure and somebody who can grow and somebody who can become uh, a badass, you know, and, and push themselves in, in so many different ways outside of the gym. And so you have to make sure that you're not looking at something in a negative respect. And I, I want to give you a dumbed down version of this too, because I think that rain is a good analogy. And I know I've talked about this. And I, mm -hmm. I think that this is a good way to put it because you have two, let, let's take two people who are heading to work. Okay. So you can have one person who is stuck in traffic and uh, they're pissed off and they're just, you know, looking out the window and uh, seeing the rain and knowing that it's probably causing the traffic and, and they just get all all pissy and they start cussing up a storm and honking at people so they'll go quicker and, and they'll just never appreciate it. And then you have this other person, let's say, like take an older man um, and he's just retired and he doesn't have these influences on him that's making him upset um, and he can look back and just see how beautiful it is, you know, and he sees the, the little rainbow coming out of the clouds and uh, and he can appreciate the moment because it's a matter of perspective, right? You don't have to be pissed off that the rain is there, you know? And so everything is a matter of perspective and it's, it's really, really dangerous to not view it that way. You know, you have to analyze each moment that you're in and, and question, you know, do I need to be freaking out here? Do I need to be upset? Um, and, and oftentimes the answer is no, and you don't need to be. And so um, that's why I kind of bring this back into the matter of death, because if you're thinking to yourself in that moment, is this going to matter when I'm on my deathbed? The answer is no. You know, did you make it to, to work on time that one particular day? Did that matter? No, it didn't, you know, and you're not going to care about that. And so it's a good reference point to think about whenever you're uh, trying to lead a life of purpose and of meaning. And so uh, I think the rain analogy really depicts that well. And it's an important reference point to use death, uh, at, at, you know, as a reference point. And uh, I think that that's always going to be something that people have a hard time doing because nobody likes to think of death as a good thing. But uh, in a lot of ways, it, it brings beauty into our lives and, um, and it, it helps us to focus on what really matters and, um, and, and it keeps us 
pushing towards the right things rather than things that are meaningless. Because um, like I said, if you're on your deathbed and, and your whole work life has been something that, you know, you're working in a, uh, like a lumber mill or you're at a job where you just hate everybody around you, you know, oftentimes you're not going to have any meaning from that. And uh, I think that that's important to see the difference. And I'm not telling you to go quit all, all your crappy jobs, you know, in a lot of ways you have to sort of grind it out. And that's an important thing. And this can also be a good thing to learn how to be uncomfortable and push yourself. But at the same time, you don't want to spend your whole life there. And that's an important thing to recognize if you're planning on leading a meaningful life. Yeah, you know, and again, I think what everybody can do is spend some time defining what's external and what's internal. Um, Because ultimately, like I've mentioned, the things that are external to you will always remain out of your control, right? And in this category, you've got sickness, you've got random occurrences in the day, you've got the way people treat you, right? Um, You know, a lot or, or the way someone says or does something to you um you know these these occurrences they're they're not good or bad and it's the conceptual nature of, of human beings right where we live in that where we also live in that conceptual world where we feel the need to characterize these occurrences right because because ultimately it's it's an injury to us right if you're only focused on on happiness and you know chasing being content or uh, you know, appeasing your sensual desires, um, you're going to be at constant injury, uh, and you're going to be taking a constant offense to the happenings of the worlds around of the world around you, um, because it it won't line up with the way that you've defined the terms of your life. You know, if if you use terms like good and bad um, for things that are out of your control, then you're always going to take offense because it it feels like it's not fair, right? But ultimately. Fairness has nothing to do with what happens to you. Um, fairness is the way that you treat other people um, because that's what's in your control. Uh, good and bad is the way that you define your experience. Um, it's the way that you act in the world. Uh, good and bad is the way that your actions end up unfolding uh, in other people's lives. And you know, I think uh, I think a good way to to really look at this is um is is really analyzing uh the things that happen in in your life and and figuring out what's in your control and what's not in your control and there's a there's a really good saying um this comes from stoic philosophy which is you know if if something happens to you uh you know some injury or some wrongdoing uh you leave the wrong in the moment in which it was committed right? You don't need to bring it along with you because in the next moment, you are not the person who you were in the previous moment. And if that wrongful act or that unfortunate thing continues to weigh upon your mind, then by definition, it is no longer the act that injures you. It's your opinion of it. It's your perspective of it. Um, And that's what's injuring you. And, And so much of what really um, depresses or hurts us is our opinion of what happened more so than what actually happened itself. And, you know, you can, you can really look at this in a, in a moment to moment type of way, um, and look at the things that happen to you and how you react to them. And if, if you're focused on understanding your stake in the world and understanding the things that happen, 
um, and understanding, you know, who you are and, and ultimately what do you want um, and, and what, how do you want the experience of your life to be? You know, when, when you're focused on these things, the things that happen to you just seem less important. And it's because you know that, it, you know, it's not what happens to you that matters. It's, it's what you become from it. Um, and, and what you become from it is actually who you are. You know, if, if you undergo a terrible experience, that's not who you are. It's just simply something that happened in the context of your life. You know, who you are is, is the person who you are before, during, and more importantly, after that moment. Um, and I think that's just a really great way to kind of navigate, um, you know, how satisfied you are with your own experience. Right. And I completely agree. And, and I think that another important tool to be mindful of is the fact that, um, you know, everything that we will naturally perceive as being negative, um, in a lot of ways, it's not a negative, you know, like I said before, this just helps you grow and and become the person that you are. And so, so many people will, uh, kind of harbor a lot of anger towards uh, their parents or their past in a lot of ways. And like you said, you know, it's in the past, it's, it's happened, it's come and it's gone. And now all you can do is, you know, reflect on it and, and, and what you become from it is up to you at that point. And so, uh, that's, that's where responsibility comes into the matter because, um, you know, if you like, let's say you lose a leg. Okay. Uh, in that moment, it seems like your life's over, you know, you can't walk anymore but you still have a life and there's still so many meaningful things that you can bring into the world. You're, you still have a voice and you can still um, really change things for the better. Uh, it, one, one small disability doesn't, I suppose that's not small, but one disability isn't going to uh, remove the importance from what you have to say, you know? And, uh, and it's important to know that because um, like you said, you know, good and bad, uh, they're just relative, you know, you don't have to actually fixate on something because uh, to to a more intelligent person, um, they could have been living a, a somewhat meaningless life, and then they lose their leg, and it puts everything in perspective to where they're like, okay, well, I could have lost my life, you know, not just a leg. And now they're thinking to themselves, look, at all I do have, you know, I have, um, I have a wife, I have great friends, I have uh, a job that I enjoy and, and um, money in the bank where I don't have to worry about uh, being uh, you know, pushed out of my home at any point and kids that I, uh, have living on through my legacy, you know, and, and so it gives you perspective and that's an important thing to be mindful of because again, like I said, you can be so fixated on the trauma that you've endured and it, you don't have to be, uh, defined by those things. You know, I, I, I knew this, um, this girl who, uh, her mother left her early on and she is incredibly intelligent. She's, she's a really amazing person. And so I'm not going to say that that's because of that, but at the same time, um, it's something to be mindful of because it was a hard thing to go through. You know, I can't even imagine not having a mother. I, I didn't have to go through anything like that. And she did, and she became an amazing person uh, in spite of that. And uh, there, there's a lot of meaning there. And, uh, and, and she's really, you know, fixated on, I don't know if she's planning to be a mother at any point, but let's say she is, I guarantee she will never, ever, ever do anything like that. And, and so in spite of that event, she is a better person because of it. And so that's something that you need to really be careful of because uh, you can, you can live your whole life resenting everything that's happened to you, you know, and, uh, and just be super bitter. You see this all the time with older people where they just bitter, bitter and bitter on top, you know, like they, they just can't let things go. And that's why 
leading a really meaningful life is is the 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 gauge that we have to use for um, for what's going to bring purpose into our lives. And so uh, you got to use that as a reference point and 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 be appreciative of the wrongs that have gone on in your life because really that's who you are. You know, you're not you're not defined by the burger you just ate. That's meaningless, right? You're defined by the the hardships and what you've accomplished and, and the pain that you endured going through those things. So um, that's, that's something you have to be really careful to ignore um, because in our society, um, in a world where you know everybody's just a keyboard warrior and uh, we we are so you know we're always valuing uh, what we see on social media as fact, you know. Um, we have to look internally instead of externally because there's so much going on in the world that you can just hate and really be bitter of. But it doesn't matter at the end of the day if you're um, leading a meaningful life. Yeah, you know, and I think, again, like a lot of this is just taking the time to sit down and, you know, define the parameters uh, of your life. You know, when you when you want to find out what you want to do, right, you know, the, just the basic things that you'll use to kind of lay the bedrock uh, of your life you start at the end and you say well what would i be satisfied like if i you know if, if someone gave me the book kind of like what we mentioned um in the beginning if someone gave me the book of my life would it be a page turner you know and, and what would make it a page turner and that's kind of how you can find out what you want and then from there you know you find out who you are and, and you do that by by overcoming things you know like i've mentioned you know human beings we, we live in a constant state of conflict it's it's our natural existence you know so find your opponent right and and find a tough one and 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 see how you respond you know do you fail or or do you succeed and if you succeed select a, a more difficult one and and if you fail think okay so that's not who i am right now but maybe could i be that person tomorrow um and and people think this is such you know it, they perceive it as the mountain that they're climbing um, and I can get into why I think that's a terrible analogy in, in, in a bit, um, but really it, it's way easier than what people think whenever you truly examine what's in your control and what's not. You know, what's not in your control is how much money did you make um, that year? You know, you, you worked your job and you got your salary. Like you're not the one that's making your salary. Um, but what you can control is how compassionate you are, um, how kind you are, um, how how trusting you are, how good of a friend, how good of a of a girlfriend or a boyfriend, you know, all these things, those are in your control. And if you want to be those things, you can only be those things in this moment, right? So it seems like such a long journey, but but truly, the journey is right now. If you want to be a compassionate person, then do something compassionate right now, because what you did doesn't matter. And what you're going to do isn't of consequence because it's not right now, which is the reality of your life. And, you know, again, coming back to that that terrible analogy of a mountain, you know, if we just use it here for but but for a moment, right, the climb to the top, that's the best part because the climb to the top is where you learn who you are. And when you fall, you fell, right? And you can you can learn why you fell and what that means about you. And what's, what, what's more important, how did you get back up? How, and how did you keep going on that journey, right? Um, where the mountain analogy fails is in expressing the pleasure that comes from the climb. Because that's where meaning is, that's where purpose is, and that's where you find out who you are. 
you don't come to that enlightenment at the top. You just don't. Um, and, and if that's the only thing you care about, then you, you will disregard the climb and, and the, the pleasure of it, the true pleasure of it. Um, so again, a lot of this is just defining your parameters. You know, what do you want? Who are you? And you'll, you'll only learn those things by just living your life and observing it. Yeah, I think that uh, I think that the mountaintop analogy is something to be mindful of because that's that's sort of an American thing as well, where you you, you feel defined by these mountaintop experiences, and um, oftentimes that's not really who we are. You know, um, that's who we are to other people a lot of the time. I think that uh, people view us on our you know sort of resume uh, of of what we've done with our lives and. Um, and, and that's not a, a terrible thing, but the, the fact of the matter is just who you really are is, is based off of the climb that you were talking about. You know, that's, that's the hard part. That's where you became somebody, um, that that's where you have value. Um, the mountaintop experience is often where you look down and you either resent what you have spent so much time achieving or, or you appreciate it for what it is. And you're really appreciating the climb, not, not the mountaintop experience, right? Um, that, that's a very, very, um, brief thing to to define your whole life from you know because if all you're looking for is the next mountaintop experience you're going to be running from one thing to the next at all times and so it's important to appreciate the struggle and and to appreciate um, it for what it really is rather than just being defined by what other people will define you by you know yeah exactly and i think just to kind of um put a bow on 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 the peace aspect of this um you know, you can attain this by observing these things we've been discussing, right? Making the distinction between external events and your own actions that you're in control of, right? And, and, and most important is, is being kind to others, observing that they're on this same journey too, and that much of what goes on in their life is out of their control, um, you know, and, and, and if you, if you are going to judge the actions of other, make sure you're judging the actions and, and not just things that have happened. Um, and, and, and going into that most importantly, being kind to yourself, you know, you cannot hold yourself hostage to the events that befall you, right? If you're constantly berating yourself for the things that have happened to you you will never be able to just simply appreciate this moment and, and move forward with, with peace. Um, and I, I think that's a really important distinction there, a, a thing to kind of underline. Um, you know, if you're looking to kind of implement these ideas into your own life, you know, that's, that's the way you go about doing it. You do it by being kind and understanding to others. And more importantly, because you can't do that unless you're also kind and understanding to yourself. Yeah, and I completely agree. And I, I, I'm glad you made that point too, because I think that something that people are just always lacking is, is being kind to themselves and not tearing yourself apart for uh, a simple mistake. You know, this happens all the time. And so I think that um, if you really want to be successful and, and be uh, be at peace, you, you have to learn to be um, positive to yourself. You know, wake up in the morning, look yourself in the mirror and, and, and really appreciate what you see, even if it's not the person that you currently are. And so that's an important point that you made. And I, I think that that's a really good thing that you made it. Okay, so I want to talk about love here because um, it's this is without a doubt um, at the tip top of everybody's uh, priority list when um, they're looking at a meaningful life. And uh, 
and really the connections behind them are what bring so much purpose into uh, somebody's lives. And so um, I want to talk about it in a more uh, kind of broad sense where uh, we can kind of dive into how they're all alike and really the, the major difference between um, a relationship uh, with a, any random person versus um, a romantic relationship is, is just that, just the fact that there's a romantic relationship there. And uh, I know we've talked about this a lot. I know so I'm going to let you take uh, the reins on this. Yeah. It, you know, at that point, it, it's really more of just a kind of a qualification, um, you know, a, a distinction of definition really that you're making. And it's not something to downplay, um, but I agree. You know, I, I want to speak about this more broadly um, because what at the end of the day is important is just relationships. Um, and, you know, I think it's important to understand that when, when we speak of relationships, we're not just talking about romantic relationships, we're talking about all of them. And when we talk about love, we're not just talking about the love you feel for your significant other, we're talking about the love you feel for your parent, your, your maybe a coworker, you know, a friend or a niece or nephew. Um, so, you know, there's many different things that I think that we're going to be able to unpack here. And I'm just going to kind of lay some of my ideas out. And then from there, we can kind of go through each one. Um, you know, you know, the first among these is, um, and perhaps most important is, is not having expectations and just loving the person. Right. Um, and it, this goes back to really what I started with at the beginning, which is we, we have this tendency to live in the, in the conceptual world where, when we see someone, we we don't we don't always see their physical person. Sometimes we see the idea of them that we've kind of constructed in our head, and you know people are never going to live perfectly to the idea of them that you've made. Um, so just kind of looking at at that person as that person, um, and, and not any idea of them. And then secondly, is is what's really important is is being deeply intrigued by this person, you know, interested by the mystery of them. You know, there's things that you want to know and and not just for the sake of checking a box like okay, now I know what uh now I know what this person's brother's name is or or what their niece's name is. I'm going to memorize it as some trivial fact. It's more about, you know, really wanting to find out the way this person looks at the world and and what they have to bring and, and being intrigued by it. And then you know, what comes with this is understanding and accommodating the responsibilities that come with relationships. You know, this is really how you mediate them. And, and, and here is, is where we find the meaning and value that comes, you know, doing things for other people, right? Um, doing things to make them happy or, or to bring some light to their day, you know, that, that's really the meaning and, and, and where the value is found in relationships is, is increasing the well-being of the people in your life and allowing them to do the same for you. And I want to tie this back into, just because I think it's relevant here, um, happiness, right? You know, what you look for in a true relationship isn't necessarily do they make you happy? Because, again, that's not in their control or yours, right? And this is where a lot of people fail here is you know they dictate the quality of their friendship or their or their romantic relationship or that with their parent or or however and and they 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 qualify it with well do they make me happy and that's the, that's the absolute wrong way of looking at it 
what you look for is is do they increase the well-being of of my life and and that's a much broader uh thing to look into uh much beyond just do they make me happy because not only is that out of their control it's out of yours and really what's more important i think is are they willing to appreciate me for who i am and and go through this walk of life with me and i think that's a big pitfall many people fall into so I know I've kind of brought up a lot here, but maybe we can just kind of unpack some of these things here. Right. And uh, I'll start with uh, how you tie back it into happiness here, because I think that that is a really important point to make. You know, um, oftentimes the people that are best for us, and this isn't just, like I said, not just um, about a romantic partner, but um, but any quality relationship, most of the time, those are the people who will speak plainly and who will um, really help you level up on a daily basis and who bring interest into your life, like you were talking about. And so it is really important to be deeply interested by them. And, uh, because then you grow, you grow with them and they grow with you. And I think that this is, uh, kind of tying back into, or, uh, kind of leading into another topic uh, that's really important, you know, any quality relationship, they, they tend not to be broken, um, beforehand. They, they, they grow together, um, in, in awesome ways, you know, and, and that's an important distinction to make because, um, a lot of people will outgrow each other and then move on. And so, um, it, when you're looking for what would be considered a meaningful relationship, oftentimes it's, it's people who are well put together and, and bring value into your life and, and help you grow, uh, in those ways. And so, um, you want to find people in all aspects that are going to help you grow and you can grow with them rather than apart. And, uh, and that, that's something you see specifically in romantic relationships a lot where, um, where they can just really grow apart, but they stay together and those are never really quality relationships. You know, they, they grow apart and that's that. Um, and so you, you want to have somebody who's deeply interested, uh, interested by you and that you're deeply interested as well. And, and, uh, that, that's a really important thing to, um, to point out. Yeah. Yeah. I a hundred percent agree. And, and just kind of going along with that, um, you know, what what's of ultimate importance here is that we kind of clarify one thing because I, I don't want people to think that, you know, for you to have a good relationship that you and the other person have to have everything figured out, right? That's, that's not what we're saying. Um, and it's also an unrealistic expectation, right? Like when you when you're looking for a friend or a relation or a, like a romantic relationship, you don't want to start with, you know, okay, well, uh, you know, can I be friends with this person? Well, you know, do they have their career planned out? Like, do they have, you know, the appropriate ties to their life? Like, like that's not where you want to start. And honestly, the best place to start is just organically right? Spend time with this person and, and examine them, observe them. What's more important is that is not that they have every detail figured out. It, it's that they're willing to take this same journey of understanding that all people must take, right? It's examining their values and they don't have to line up perfectly. I think it's totally possible for people of different values to coexist in a healthy reciprocal relationship. Um, but more so, are they willing to look at the environment and, and, and make something of it for them and the people around them? Are they willing to understand why you did or say something and not condemn you for the, the saying or the action, right? Um, 
and constantly bringing the best out of you. And one thing I think we could focus on here is the reciprocal nature of, of relationships. You know, I think I think it's very easy to get complacent and be like, oh, well, this person's my friend, when really this is a, you know, a relationship is a constant responsibility. And I know that can sound exhausting to some people, but again, as I mentioned, having that responsibility and being able to see you put a smile on someone's face or get them through a hard time or or increase their well-being, that's the real value here. So I think maybe it would be a good idea to focus on the reciprocal nature of relationships. And maybe we could, um, if at any point, you know, obviously we're pretty good friends, right? So uh, we might be able to tie in some personal things here as well. So I, I, I want to stress that point a little more because uh, I, I definitely don't mean that you have to, when, when coming up on a meaningful relationship, nobody has to have their life perfectly put together. Um, I, I want to fix it on the fact that really what it's about is are they bringing meaning into your life and, uh, and making sure that they're not um, being a negative impact on your life because that's what you see a lot in broken people. And that's where it can lead to somewhat of a toxic relationship. But really, you're just looking at the reciprocal, fa- reciprocal factor of a relationship because if, um, if you aren't 100% put together, but you're bringing um, a quality to them that they don't have and, uh, and then they grow from that, then that's how you guys grow together. You know, you imparted wisdom on him or her and they grew together. And so you see that reciprocal factor in pretty close to all relationships and, uh, you know, romantic and friendships and uh, parents, they're, they're always growing together, you know, learning along the way. And uh, I think that that's really what I was trying to fixate on rather than just the fact that you have to be perfectly put together. Um, but it's important to know how to cut well because, um, you know, there's so many people that really are truly broken and are just bringing negative factors into your life. And you have to know uh, when to, you know, sort of put your foot down and realize that this person's not good for me. You know, this, this is mostly, I feel like, applied in romantic relationships because people will stay much longer than what they, uh, they know they should. But it's really every relationship, even parents sometimes, you know. Um, you, you want to have a relationship with them, but sometimes you just have to keep them at arm's length because they're no good for you, you know? Um, so it's not that you should cut them off, but really what it's about is just being um, with those people. All you can really do is any any instance where you are around those people, you just be the positive light that you can be for their life and um, and, and learn to keep what, what they are at a distance and hope that they can grow into um, what you're bringing to the table. Right, right, exactly. And I think... Um... I think this really goes back to kind of what I'd led this with, with the the reciprocal nature of it. And you kind of picked up on it there. Um, but, you know, I think a good way to kind of examine it is, you know, when you look at this person that's in your life, you know, it really truly look at what they're bringing, you know, what are they bringing to you? Um, you know, do they, when you give, do they only take or do they give as well? Um, are they only there for you when things are convenient? <clears throat> that's a really good way to kind of gauge this is, you know, are they only there when things are good or are they the first to be there when things are also not going well? Um, and and that's really kind of what I'm getting at with the, the reciprocal aspect of this is I think a lot of people think that you're going to get to a certain point of any relationship and you're just going to be friends or you're, you're just going to be romantic. And then they stop kind of actively... Uh, partaking in their responsibility and role with that person and then things you know, things get difficult um, and I think a good way that we can kind of talk about this is you know in the in the framing of our own relationship that we've had you know I think one important aspect here is setting expectations you know it, it should be clear for both people 
what you expect of one another. I mean, I, I can throw one example here that's just kind of a, a funny, more trivial trivial one, but really relevant um, is, you know, with, with me and Spencer, um, I, I don't think that we've ever got each other a birthday present. You know, I, I, don't, I don't think that we've ever got each other a present for anything. I think maybe I got you a card when we graduated high school, and I think you did the same for me. Maybe, I think. Um, but but I'm saying this because, you know, neither of us take offense to this. And it's because we both have the same expectation. You know, what we want from each other and our friendship isn't uh, some gift that we're both going to stress unnecessarily about, right? Uh, what we're looking for is, is is companionship and understanding and someone to listen and, and give yeah. sound advice. So I think maybe you could pick up there on that. Yeah, no, I completely agree uh, because, you know, I, I like that analogy of... Uh, tying in the gifts because I think that um, you even you can even see this being used wrongly in relationships where gifts is sort of the cop out for what isn't a good relationship when they know they're not bringing anything to the table. And so uh, this is something I've seen across the board. They don't really give gifts very often. And it's because uh, they're, they're getting the best gift they can get for them on a daily basis where they're just bringing something to the table uh, by being who they are and, um, and, and growing with them and spending time with them. And, um, and so you don't have to bring them flowers or, or get them birthday gifts or uh, anything along that nature. And uh, it, because there's not a lot of value there in comparison to what you could be getting from them. And so that's something super interesting to fixate on. Um, and, and I think that that is a really good example of our relationship too, because it's uh, our relationship has always just been very much so about growing together, you know, and, and not so much about um, where can we materialistically material for like when we were in school we're not looking to uh you know bum each other's grades off of each other uh, or, or look to get you know gifts like you were talking about we're just looking to uh, grow uh, in companionship and um, push each other's knowledge and and see where we can uh, bring positive things to the world together you know that's that's what it's really about and so you see that a lot in um in quality relationships and especially in ours yeah exactly you know and and, you know, again, I think one message that we're going to continually bring here is uh, is that none of this is black and white, right? Like many things are, you're going to fall somewhere on the continuum and, and on their face value, they're neither good or bad. You know, sometimes it's good to give gifts and, and, and looking back, um, you know, maybe sometimes we should have, but what's more important is that we didn't need that. It wasn't an expectation, um, and it wasn't the thing that we based our friendship of, you know, obviously neither of us would ever say that you shouldn't, uh, get your, uh, your significant other flowers or, uh, or give them something nice. Right. Um, but when you really look at what giving a gift is, what it really is, is a gesture, right? It's, it's a reminder like, Hey, I care about this person. Um, and, and I thought about you. And, and, and that's the, that, that is what should undergird, um, the giving of gifts. And oftentimes it simply doesn't, you know, oftentimes it's simply a matter of, of, it's like a transaction, right? And it's so, it, it so demeans what should be the motivation here. Whereas like, okay, I got you something. So now you get me something and then it's fair, right? We can call it good. And it's almost like some kind of burden, right? But really, it, what it is, it's the principle of giving. It's it's the idea behind why you did it. And if you don't have the proper motivation, you know, not only is it shallow, 
but it's a good way to kind of gauge, you know, the depth of the relationship with that person. Um, so of course, you know, it, it, it can be good to give gifts, but it has to be for the right reason. And it can't be solely for the act of like, oh, here's this thing that I bought for you. You know, um, it's more so this is how much I care about you. And you, and you can do that in ways that aren't just a material exchange. Um, and, and more importantly, you know, by being there for that person, you know, you, you, when you, when you can truly share how much you care with someone is when you don't judge them unnecessarily or unfairly. And when you are there, not just when times are good. Um, so, you know, I think that's a, an important qualifier there um, is, is the spirit of giving should be one of affection and, and compassion and a gesture of, hey, I was thinking about you. Um, and, and that should be the thing that kind of leads the way you kind of mediate your relationships. Right. And I completely agree. And just to touch on what you're saying there, like, I think that it's important that I'm not saying that you shouldn't be able to give gifts. It's it's just really about the fact that it has to be selfless. You know, there has right. to be no personal gain for that. Um, and so I think I think we're all on the same page with that. But um, but yeah, that's just the main point that if, if gifts are on the table, you know, it's, it's meant to be in a selfless way. And since we've um, since we've never really required that, it's never really been a part of our relationship. And right. and this is a lot of what I see in uh, in a lot of quality relationships. Um, not to say that you shouldn't do that because you should always uh, care enough to, uh, you know, have gestures like that. And if it translates in the form of gifts, then then all the better. Um, but it is not required of anything. Right. Um, and, and that's where the expectations comes into play. Um, and so I also I want to kind of tie into um, why exactly uh, relationships are so important um, in bringing purpose into our lives. And, uh, and I really discuss that because I think that that's the main focus here. Um, you know, I, I want to come back to um, the reference point of death here, you know, uh, when people and you've heard this before, I know you've heard this before, where they have a near death experience. And the first thing they care about is all the connections that they've created. And so you need to use that as your reference point again, to find meaning through the connections that you've created. And so when you're looking at people who seem very alone, you know, um, they, they're often just not um, pursuing connections. And, uh, and oftentimes you see this with just people who are unhappy in general and, um, who are very much not at peace with themselves. It's just, they haven't had meaningful connections in their life that have given them purpose, um, and that they can look back on and appreciate. Um, and so this isn't always to the, their own fault. You know, sometimes people just aren't presented the right people in their lives where they could have potentially grown, but, um, but either way, it's, it's a, uh, an important point to make. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, you know, there's many different ways we can kind of approach this here. Um, you know, we can go with like the more biological claim um, and historical claim that, you know, we are social creatures and, you know, we live and share this space among other people. Um, so there's definitely, I think, a precedent there and, and a, you know, some historical contingencies that, that lead to us really needing other people and and what we're truly needing is a connection to other people um and a feeling that there is something greater than just your own experience but maybe maybe an experience that you can share with other people and and, and in many ways it's far more grand um than just walking the walk of life uh by yourself um so you know and again i think that there's many different ways we can approach this uh, i think one little bit that I, i'd want to say is um 
you know, identifying what loneliness is. Um, Cause it, again, this is a motivating factor for people to pursue any kind of relationship. Um, and, and one thing that I would say is uh, true, true loneliness uh, only happens when you are alone among other people, you know, uh, very rarely, especially in today's world, are you actually, you know, physically or digitally alone and separated from other people, right? And I, I think when you when 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 you reflect on your life, the times that you felt the most alone are when you were surrounded by people but didn't have those connections, right? Didn't have that relationship. And there's people, there are people who could be five years into their marriage and be lonely. And it doesn't matter that they have that person with them all the time because they feel alone even when they're with that person. Um, and I think that's an important thing to cover here uh, with this with this specific way to tackle it. Um, and it's an important thing to understand any relationship. Yeah, and I, I completely agree. And I, I really come back to the movie star analogy here because I think this is an important way to sort of view it, you know, where you can be up in your ivory tower of pure success and be surrounded by what other people consider to be all these great people, you know, and, and from the outside eye, it looks like they're living the dream, you know, but really in that sort of setting, it's, it's hard to have meaningful connections. And so you, you see thousands to hundreds of thousands to millions of people, um, you know, posting that they love them and that they are super incredible people and and that they've impacted their lives. But even that doesn't do it because it's not a meaningful connection. So you might take those words to heart and say, you know, I'm glad I've impacted this person, but I don't have a meaningful connection. And so you don't really uh, take it to heart the same way you would have if uh, you know your spouse said that or if your, uh, your, your closest friend said that or um, somebody that you're just now uh, spending some time with, even if it is sort of in a relationship, you're still going to value that more uh, because it's somebody that you actually... Um, give and take from. And so uh, th that's a really important thing to to point out. And um, it, it's important to be mindful of it moving into where meaning applies into your life and, and how you're going to find meaningful connections, because it's not going to be online. You know, it, I think it's important to point out the dangers of social media here, because uh, I think a lot of people, especially young people these days, they look for their connections elsewhere. And, uh, and you're not going to find them there. You know, you're not going to find it um, posting on somebody's uh, or commenting on somebody else's post and telling them that they're pretty, you know, that might be nice, but they're not really going to care and you're not going to gain anything from it um, towards in regards to meaning towards your life. And so where you really apply meaning uh, in, in connections is by contributing to that person in a meaningful way. And so uh, that's why I come back to uh, purpose with this. You know, this is, this is why you look back on your deathbed and think, wow, you know, I really impacted this person. This is, I feel content. I feel like I lived a full life because you had a meaningful connection with that person and you impacted them for the good. And so it's not just that you impacted them in a large way, but you impacted them in a positive way. And so I think that's something to, to consider as well. Oh yeah. And you know, there, there's a lot of, of data now um, demonstrating that, you know, oftentimes people feel the most satisfied in their life when they're you know, kind of accommodating the well-being of other people. Um, and, and again, you know, in, in the context of our ultimate, of the, of the ultimate resolution of our, of our lives, um, you, wanna, you, wanna, you want to have shared it with other people um, and in a meaningful way. You know, I think there, there are truly few things more beautiful 
um, than, than being with a person and being utterly engaged and, and, and at the deepest level connected to them. Uh, and it, it doesn't matter what specific activity it might be, right? And, and again, you know, this is going to differ across varying relationships. Um, but, but when you're truly the most in sync and, and when you fall away from all of the thoughts that keep you from living in the present moment, right? Uh, that's that's when you're in the in, in the face of something absolutely beautiful, and and it and it doesn't always you know have to be a connection that is with another person, right? It can be a connection that you have with a moment, right? Uh, with a moment that you're sharing with an at the atmosphere, you know, when you're looking at a sunset or a mountain or the ocean, right? Just this this moment of you know the the resolution of the the disquieted voices, right? In in your own head. That, that are constantly talking and speaking and pulling you from the moment in which you which you live in and into the moment of, you know, an anxious relationship with the future or or a somber relationship with the past. And and this is the thing you want to replicate in your relationships. You want to have those moments where you are truly connected and and the moments where everything else just kind of falls away and it's really just you and this person in action or in dialogue in the moment and and those are the things to really focus on and cherish uh as you move forward with that person right and i uh, i think an important point to make here is uh how important it is to be just present you know and you're kind of already touching on that but i want to just kind of solidify what you're saying um and, and just whenever these meaningful things happen you are uh you're often you're not taking pictures you know you're not uh, you know, you're not writing about it. You're you're in the moment. You're experiencing it. You're totally engaged, like you were saying, in that moment, rather than adding these superficial things. And, you know, I want to tie in something kind of personal here, because uh, and I talked about this with uh, one of my best friends, Eli, a lot. Where we would uh, we would sometimes when we were doing the things that were kind of crazy, we would put the camera down and just enjoy it. You know, like we we were always setting out to get this awesome footage of something super beautiful. And, uh, and oftentimes the beauty of it would die in the video, you know, and we wouldn't really feel like we experienced much. And so at a certain point we kind of realized this and started to put the camera down and things changed when we did that, you know, it became something completely else, um, where you, we were able to appreciate the moments, not only with, uh, what we were experiencing, but with each other, you know, we grew a lot more that way. Um, I think uh, many times when we would, go out to shoot something we would just come back and uh, we'd have something cool but it wouldn't feel the same as as a uh, as a quality moment would have and so it is incredibly important to remain present in the moment and not attach these superficial things um, to it when you're talking about a, a meaningful relationship because um, that's one of the main dangers that I see especially in our society um, where we all want to post our super cool moments on Instagram and Twitter and TikTok and just all these sort of superficial things and take this this moment that's really pure and raw and then try to you know sort of flex with it online you know and that's where we start to slip into uh, very superficial meaningless things. Right, right, and you know, um, one other thing that I want I want to touch on here that, that I think is important is is how you know with any relationship, you know, just like with your life, right? It, it's not always going to be perfect, right? 
Your, your relationship with that other person isn't always going to be that moment in front of the sunset. Um, and, and there will be highs and lows um, because there are highs and lows in life. And, and one thing that I kind of wanted to touch on here is, uh, is conflict. Um, and I think this is actually something that we haven't really spoken about before um, regarding this topic. Um, but we have in the grander scale of life, right? Like we, we have spoken about how conflict is uh, not only just a byproduct of living, but also integral uh, to discovering who you are. And I, and I think it's also important to discover how the relationship is, right? You know, people get in fights uh, with their with their friends and with their significant others, and it's always seen as this negative, right? And, and what I'd like to kind of entertain is this idea that it, it's only negative if the fight ends and neither of you had a changing of opinion, right? That That's the only time when it's negative. But if you're in an argument with someone and you both have a different perspective and you come to a real resolution uh, of the issue, um, that's where you discover not only who you are, but who you are in relation to that person. And, and, and it is one of the greatest pleasures that comes from relationships um, because it can be another method for figuring out, you know, not only who you are, but but who you are in relationship to other people. Yeah. And I, I kind of want to just tie this back into what we were talking about, which is struggle in general. You know, conflict is a form of struggle. And so um, this is where meaning lies. You know, if you if you had a, a conflict with somebody and you came out the better for it. Really, you shouldn't have a negative outlook on what that was. You should be considering uh, the weight of the fact that it it helped you grow together. And despite the conflict, you came out the other side. And so um, having no fights, that's just not realistic. You know, you, you have to disagree on certain things, but that's to grow. The important thing to do is just to sort of take yourself out of it um, and uh, and take the pride out of it and, and just accept whether, you know, if somebody's right, you know, you should be able to say that they're right. Um, and that's how you maintain a quality relationship about uh, you just, you don't focus on being so prideful. And, uh, and that's where relationships often go to die, you know? Right. And so it, it's really important to uh, just be mindful of, uh, of respecting what they're saying. And if they have something that they are trying to tell you that um, may not be what you want to hear, uh, it, it's about appreciating that and appreciating the fact that they put themselves out there in a way that, you know, they might uh, be worried about being offensive. Um, mm-hmm. But really, they're trying to look out for you. And those are those kind of qualities are what we're looking for in, uh, in somebody that we keep in our lives. You know, it's not the people who sit there and lie to us and tell us, yes, you look pretty. Yes, you, um, you you're not, you know, gaining weight. You're, uh, it, it, it's the people who tell us, hey, you know, like if, if you ask them something, whether genuinely, you know, like have I gained some weight, you know, sometimes it's better to, uh, to be honest about certain things. Cause you know, if, if they're really, uh, concerned about it, you know, that's the kind of thing that they're confiding in you and to tell them the truth, you know? And so that's what you are there for. And it's not really to just be, um, somebody who fluffs their pillow, so to speak, you know, it's somebody who tells them honest truths, whether, um, whether they want to hear it or not, uh, is, is what you believe to be, uh, the better thing for them. Right, you know, exactly. You, you don't want just yes men in, in, constantly in your corner. Um, and, and what you don't want to be is accommodating people's feelings. I know that might sound jarring because I know a lot of people consider the goal of a relationship to be 
you know, to be responsible or to uh, make people's feelings better. But in a true relationship, what people really want is honesty and authenticity and trust. And when people come to you with a problem or or anything like that, or with an idea, you know, you, you need to be honest with, you know, the goal is to bring the best out of that person. And not because that's your job, but because it's the best thing for them. And, and if you care about someone in any capacity, you want what's best for them, right? And what's best for them isn't accommodating bad ideas or bad actions or or bad, like harsh words that they've said, right? When someone does something wrong, you tell them that you think it was wrong because that's the only, you know, if they have their best friend, for example, saying that, okay, yeah, what you did is okay, then they're going to do that thing again and, and again and again. And someone has to be the hard stop. And, and always, it seems, that is the person that cares the most. And I think this is an excellent place to kind of tie in something else I know we were wanting to talk about, which is vulnerability and its importance. And I'm sure you have some stuff to say about it, but I'll just introduce it a little bit here. That way I don't just drop it on you. Um, but just kind of the idea that, that vulnerability is necessary. And, and that the only way you're ever going to be able to have a true relationship or true peace or even, again, coming back to, you know, allowing the conditions for happiness to descend upon you, you know, those conditions are dependent on you making yourself vulnerable, uh, not just to the world, but also the actions and thoughts and words of other people. And I didn't know if maybe you had anything to say about that. Yeah, absolutely. Because I think that, um, you know, when people become bitter, uh, they also put up walls, you know, and it's usually from past trauma. Um, and where growth exists is behind those walls. And so uh, you have to sort of learn to drop them to become a better person. So uh, let's say, let's just take um, fitness for example. You know, we put up walls um, saying that, you know, you like how you look and uh, that you don't need to change it. And maybe that is the case. And that's totally fine. And we're not judging whether or not it's good to be uh, fit or not. We're just judging how you feel about yourself personally. Um, so if you personally want to be more fit, then it's important to be vulnerable even to yourself and say, I don't like how I look. You know, I, I need to go to the gym. You know, I need to go uh, start eating in a way that um, reflects my mindset, you know, not, not in a way that's terrible for my body, but I need to. Uh, I need to, you know, start cooking my own meals and uh, and doing things that are going to impact myself in a positive way. And so, uh, it's not just externally um, that we see vulnerability; it's, it's very much internally. I'm um, being able to admit to ourselves that there's a problem. Um, and and I'm just using fitness as an example because it's super simple, but um, this applies to really anything. So uh, you're not going to develop quality relationships if you're not vulnerable. You know. Uh, uh, you're just going to have a wall of fear that exists from not wanting to be hurt by that person. You know, this is mostly um, true when you're, you're talking about a significant other, but it applies to everything. You know, I think parents is another good one uh, because if somebody is not good for you, um, you know, you put up a wall and you try to keep them out. But really where growth exists is learning to accept the person they are and, and you just be the person that you can be um, in a positive way towards them, you know. And mm -hmm. so you see that as another uh, example of that. But in relationships, you know, you see a lot of people who will put up walls to not be hurt by the other person. You know, they, they won't even get into a relationship because they're not in a place for it, uh, quote unquote. And that's usually just because they haven't learned how to be vulnerable. 
and they're they're so fixated on on uh, on not feeling pain that uh, that they can't make sense of being hurt by another person. Uh, so really, this ties back into peace because if you're mm. at peace with yourself, what that person thinks of you isn't going to wreck you at the end of the day. You know, you're just able to be the person you are. And if somebody else appreciates that and it grows with you, then that's just all the more beautiful. And you should be able to love and appreciate that um, for what it is. And so if somebody doesn't appreciate you and, you know, you're sort of riding the wave down, um, you know, it's okay to be upset. But at the end of the day, you're not destroyed by it. You know, that person's opinion is not what defines you. You know, it's just they didn't see um, you for what you were or they just weren't the right person for you, which is completely mm -hmm. okay. Um, this is true in friendships. This is true in really anything, any relationship. It's not just significant others, but significant others is where you see it the most probably. Um, so I think it's important to make that distinction. And uh, and if you want to talk about that a little bit. there, there There's lots of uh, different ways you can take this. I mean, um, you know, again, th this doesn't just apply to relationships. It applies within individuals too. You know, I think there's a huge propensity to fall into these cycles. And oftentimes the cycles are <clears throat> something bad happens. Um, so you then throw up a barrier right? And then you take less risk. Um, and then maybe something else bad happens. And then you you thicken the barrier, you take even less risks. And what happens then is you, you are then locked in a cycle of, of constant unhappiness. Um, and really, you know, when we opened up, or, or shortly after, and, and we were talking about happiness, uh, one thing that we said was, again, what is in your control is creating the conditions for it to happen. And that requires risk, right? You, you you won't be happy if you're the most protected, right? You know, if you if you lock yourself up in your room and you never leave and you never allow anybody to have the opportunity to hurt you, then you will also never have the opportunity for anybody ever to make you happy. So any kind of outcome that you would ever want for yourself or for other people requires risk, right? It, it requires vulnerability uh, and not just in relationships, but just in your life in general. You know, I, th I think one thing maybe we could touch on briefly here is is the the attractiveness of pessimism, right? Um, of, of being jaded and of kind of locking off certain life experiences from yourself because somewhere along the line, you decided that you knew enough and you knew the best and that's just not going to happen or that's just naive you know and, and this can very easily apply to relationships right like if you've if you've come out of you know the past maybe you've had five relationships and all of them sucked right and you've just decided yep nope this isn't for me right because it just always ends this way um and, and you become kind of jaded to that connection with another person you know uh you're then limiting the possibility of you ever having a good relationship uh, with another person or with your life, right? Again, just to tie us back in, it's always about, you know, it, would I buy this book, right? Would you buy the movie? Would you buy the movie ticket when the trailer was, you know, some parts of your life, right? Um, and and constantly reevaluating, uh, not just, you know, your relationships, but also yourself. So vulnerability here is huge and, and it really ties into honesty, you know, truth and authenticity, uh, not just with yourself, but with the person who you are in a relationship with as well. 
I completely agree. And I actually want to give a, a quick story here. And I think it's a, a useful analogy in what we're discussing. So I was riding my motorcycle and I was actually going to um, to get life insurance at this time. And I, I rode up and I, I was talking to a secretary at the, the time. She was probably like mid 50s or so. And um, and when we were talking, I said she made a comment about the motorcycle being dangerous. And I said, oh, yeah, you know, um, all the best things in life have risks and, uh, and dangers involved. And she was like, ha no, they, they don't, you know. And I thought about this a lot because I was like, not to attack secretaries here because there's nothing wrong with being a secretary. It's just about your mindset. And I could see it playing out in her own life in this respect because, um, you know, she was clearly somebody not taking very many risks. And, uh, and she hadn't achieved uh, on face value this is. And this could be the most interesting person on the planet. I'm not meaning to attack that in this respect. But just for this analogy, um, she was a secretary in her mid-50s and, uh, and she didn't see the value in risks. And I'm, it's really because of the fact that she hadn't taken any and learn to put herself out there and be vulnerable, you know? Um, and so I thought about that a lot because I think it's a useful analogy when you're trying to figure out what's going to bring meaning and joy into your life. And, uh, and I loved riding the motorcycle. And so when she said that it was kind of jarring to me and, uh, and I thought a lot about it and I, and I really think it's because you have to take risks, just like you're saying, you know, to get anything meaningful out of your life, you have to take risks and put yourself on uh, out on a limb where you could fall in, where you could make a major mistake. Um, and then if you do, you just learn to grow from it. And that's where coming, uh, bringing it back into peace uh, is, is so important because, you know, when you fall, it's okay. You're not, you're not destroyed by it. You know, you just take it for what it is. You learn from the experience and you move on in a constructive way. And that's the, the way you have to approach uh, really every situation. Um, and, and that's how you find true inner peace. Right. You know, and I, I think... Um, a, a good, a good other aspect of this too, is, you know, we, we live in this world where, where there is conflict and where the events are out of your control and where you can't micromanage every aspect of your experience. Right. And, and that's what makes it interesting, right? Like, you know, when you look at the stories, uh, I mean, on a grander scale, right, just narratives, myths, stories that you're the most gripped by, right? You're on the edge of your seat listening uh, or, or viewing this this life, right, fictional or otherwise. Um, it's when it's dynamic, when it's not static, right? When, when, there's, a, when there's a colossal failure and then a stunning recovery uh, and you see this amazing growth in the, in the person you're viewing, um, that dynamic experience is what makes things interesting. And, you know, I'm not trying to glorify struggle, but what I'm saying is that it has great utility and it's absolutely unavoidable. You know, everybody's going to struggle. Everybody's going to have tragedy, right? Everybody has baggage and everybody has trauma, right? <laughs> now there's varying levels of this. And I'm not trying to downplay some outstanding uh, experiences people may have, right? Um, where where things can get really bad or other people could lead a very pampered life. But ultimately, it's only a matter of time, right? Time will consume all. And in time, all will be revealed. And, you know, you can only live this, uh, this comfy life so long before something undesirable happens to you, right? So my point is, it happens indiscriminate of who you are, right? And the true gauge of who you are and how good you are is is the manner in which you respond to them and the manner in which you understand them. 
and uh, and it applies to relationships. It, it, it applies to your own life. And, you know, I think really just framing your experience with the proper perspective is the greatest tool, right? And the steps towards working that tool in the best way it can be is in pursuing the understanding of who you are and what you want, right? And, and looking at it uh, from the end and then tracing back to the beginning. That way you can ensure that you start your story with the story that you'd want to read, Um and I think that's just I think that's just important in general um, for people to kind of you know get the get the meaning uh, and get the importance that they're looking for in their life. I completely agree, and I'll always believe that the the narrative analogy is is such an important one because it, it keeps you mindful of death and and its importance and how it can play out in your own life, and uh, and it keeps you uh, pushing yourself and and trying new things and. Uh, experiencing things that if if it wasn't happening that you might not have the urgency that you currently do to go do you know right. and so uh, it's it's important to always remember that but i want to kind of put a cap on this uh so um let's just talk about um kind of an overview of this uh this whole conversation you know so with, with purpose it, it comes back to in a lot of ways where um you know you're going to find the most purpose giving to other people. Um, this is in the form of connections. This is in the form of your workplace. Um, this is in the form of your, um, your just day-to-day -day activities. You know, you, you want to find things that bring value into other people's lives. And oftentimes this is where the most purpose exists. And, and it's not just other people, but internally as well. You know, this is why the gym brings you purpose. This is why um, pushing your own mind and learning and being the student at all times is so important because it brings purpose into your life. And then you bring it to other people. And you continue to let that uh, ripple effect take place, you know, because if you bring it to one person, then it goes to the next and they, they continue this effect of where people are learning from each other and constantly growing. And that's how you really solve all things. You know, you, you just you make people more aware of, of what they are. And in uh, connections always plays a major point in this. And that's where love ties in. And, uh, and that's why it's so important to have those meaningful connections that you can be the teacher and you can be the student at all times and, uh, and learn from them. And, uh, and no matter where those relationships take you, um, whether they end and you just get to appreciate what they were when you had them, um, this is where peace comes in because you're not rocked by, uh, the, the downfalls of life and you're not rocked by, uh, the waves that are ever, you know, ever coursing through you, you know, you're just appreciating, uh, the highs and you're appreciating the lows for what you learn from them. And uh, I don't know if you want to kind of tie it up a little more for me, but I'll let you take that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, I think, I think in many ways we've at least ran the course of a, of a lot of the things that we wish to talk about, you know, and I think there's a lot here for future conversation. And this is certainly a, a, uh, you know, a topic that needs to continue to be dissected and not just by us, but by everybody. And, um, you know, in regards just to pick up from where you just left off, you know, I think that the thing that we really hope people take away from this is to not focus so much on what's going to make you happy um, and, and, and ultimately to be kind to yourself and observe the things that are in your control and out of your control and and judge your character and that of others based off of those things that are in their control. And if you do that, then you're going to resolve a lot of this conflict that, that we find ourselves living in. 
And, and you do that through, you know, a meaningful connection to something greater than yourself. And it can come in many different forms. Um, but ultimately, people want to feel as if they are approaching the infinite, um, even within the space of their own finite time, right? They're, they're approaching the infinite with something that's grand and something that's, you know, outspoken and, and beautiful and something that's going to last longer than their own self. Um, and people want to feel like they're making a contribution to the world, right? Um, so, you know, I, I ultimately think that's the conversation that we want to be having, and that's the space in which people want to live. Right. And, uh, yeah, no, I completely agree. And I think that uh, most of what we talked about here is just going to be a good um, sort of compass for for our listeners. And, um, and that that's really what it was meant to be uh, from the get-go is just – uh, a good way to navigate your life in a meaningful way. Um, so if you if you're taking anything from this, I think the main focus would just be that um, these three main topics of love, purpose, and peace, um, they're really tools to navigate your life uh, in a fulfilling, meaningful way. Um, and if you've gained nothing else from this whole entire conversation, just gain that because um, that is where the most uh, growth will happen, just focusing on those things. And uh, in my personal opinion, this is just, um, you know, my one-liner, but, but I think it has implications for everybody, whether you agree with it or not. Yeah, yeah, you know, and I think, again, I, I think it's important that we stress that, you know, by no means are, are we the people with all the answers, right? Um, and, and there's people that maybe have some more lived experience uh, and, and maybe some more words of wisdom um, and what's important is that you always keep your ears open. Um, and I, I think one important quote that I, I've heard somewhere is, uh, you know, treat everybody like they've got something of vital importance to tell you, right? And I think what's important here and, and a goal for us, uh, not, you know, individually and also together, is that we stimulate important conversation. And, and we share our opinion, not because we think it's gospel, but because we want to we wanna start something in which we also may be able to learn, Right. And I, I can speak for both of us here, but I think we, we both eagerly await uh, other perspectives. And, you know, I, I know we would both take great pleasure in, um, you know, being introduced to new things and other ideas on, the, on these topics and other people's mindsets. So, Absolutely. And I think that it always just ties into, uh, you know, being the student. And, um, and so no matter what topic presented to us i think that there's always something to gain from it um you know i i've had conversations with uh you know flat earthers and i feel like i've walked away with something that's meaningful out of it and that's how you do it you know you just have conversations no matter how ludicrous and i uh, try to grow from them and and gain uh perspective on whatever uh, idea they have or whatever idea you have and 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 just look at it with the best possible perspective but uh but anywho i want to just go ahead and say thanks for coming on and uh, we'll probably be doing several of these together. So everybody has lots to look forward to. And uh, we're going to be trying to put these out as, as much as possible. So first off, thanks for listening to <laughs> what is my first podcast and um, one of Noah's first videos. And uh, and I, I just, uh, I'm very excited for the rest. Yeah, you know, I, I just one quick word here. Uh, you know, I think we're, we're both really excited, uh, not only for what we have to bring, but also what we stand to gain by learning from other people. And, um, you know, be sure to, to follow both of us as we kind of go along this journey. You know, I think, I think in some topics we're going to share, um, you know, obviously some conversations we're going to want to have together and we'll come together just like this. 
Um, but you know, each both of us kind of have our own uh, path that we're going to walk here, and and you know, just be sure uh, if this is something you're interested to, just uh, keep track of what both of us are doing. And always remember, you know, both of us are going to be sure. If you are curious, we're going to link all of our stuff in every way that we can, right? So I'm going to put his information. Uh, if you're if, if if this is on YouTube that you're seeing this, I'll put it in the description. And if you're seeing this over a podcast medium, it'll be in the podcast description if that's what you're interested in. Absolutely. So uh, on that note, I just want to say thank you so much uh, for making it to this point and listening to the whole uh, our entire discussion and dissecting our minds. And um, and I'm very excited for what's coming. So thanks everybody, and uh, we'll be seeing you in the next one. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you.